following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. You're listening to Jones and Brown. Both you the crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brown. What's going on, everybody? We are back for another week. Jonesy and Brown. I'm Mike Jones. This is my boy, John Brown, with me as always. And we got a special guest with us this week to start the show off. Friend of mine from, what, we met senior year of high school, so that goes back to 96, playing, playing basketball against each other. JB, I got to tell you, one of the most talented ballers I've ever personally played against. Mm-hmm. Six, seven, six, seven point guard? Six, six. Six, six, okay. I don't, yeah, I like that. don't want to he, exaggerate he's the mo- height. He's modest. Six, 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 six point guard. He's modest. I, I, I like that. But so anyway, we're going so to in get, into, get into all of that. Okay. But, I, I, so, I, I love talking flat. to your old teammates, though, for real. I love talking to your old teammates. Sully, it's good to have you here with us. Thank Thanks you so for much. joining us. Thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. Let's get right to it. Obvious place to start with with a former basketball player. We are in the midst of the NBA Finals right now. Have you been keeping up with what with what's going on? Yeah, actually, I have, man. I just started. <clears throat> like I've gotten a little time to look at it. It's interesting. A lot of people say it doesn't count because it's not, I guess, the traditional way. And uh, me being a, a former hooper. I tell people all the time, it definitely counts because there's so many other things that's factored into them winning now. Like, you've been away from your wife and your family for 90 days. Mm-hmm. You're in a bubble. You can't talk to nobody. you like a Mormon playing mm-hmm. basketball. Like, it's a different vibe. So, I think it's a tougher challenge, in my opinion. I agree. I was, I, I was saying before that for everything you might call an advantage, not having to travel, that type of stuff, you have another challenge on the other side that presents itself so i don't necessarily see this as being anything easier bare minimum it's equally as an equal challenge if not harder think about it in my opinion don't have a home you don't have a home field advantage it's Mm -hmm. like a glorified scrimmage yeah and it only just got better because families could come in now but outside of that your family's gonna root for you anyway and then Mm -hmm. some players play better on the road so, you know what I mean? If you look at it on an overall scale, I say it's just as hard, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I agree. And the one thing I was saying that without fans in the building on a neutral court, you're not going to see bench players and role players be shaken by the moment. You're really going to have to deal with people's full abilities and full talents which is, I think, what we saw from that Denver roster throughout the playoffs. That young team, who I said to JB a few times, I think they're ahead of schedule. But for them, I think they had, I don't want to call it an advantage, but they were almost too young to know any better. Hmm. They just went out there and played ball. I don't know. I think my my opinion of it is matchups are everything. Uh, Every mm -hmm. single thing. And in the playoffs, when you look mm-hmm. at them, I tell all my friends from high school, Denver's going to beat them because Kawhi and them don't have an answer for Jokic. And mm. what happened? They wore they behind <laughs> out. I, I didn't know old boy was going to come up. 
I didn't know um, he was going to be as spectacular as he was. But that's, again, it accounts to the environment. You're not in Staples Center with 20,000 people screaming at you. You're in a gym with 150. Mm-hmm. That's like a local pickup. And all you got to do is score. You mm-hmm. know, the crowds in the, if a crowd's involved, you're on the road. You can't get your sets. You have to have special sets. You have to have special calls. You can call anything you want in that gym. Their crowd mm-hmm. ain't messed up. It's just the 12 players on their team versus your 12. And your coaches versus their coaches. I, I called it from the beginning. Denver was going to beat them. But I think the biggest thing is matchups are everything. And now you're going to start seeing the next couple games in the finals what it looks like when you have a superstar who can manufacture calls. Mm. <laughs> now, is that is that a reference to LeBron James or Jimmy Butler? I'm going to be honest with you. What they did last night, I don't know that they can do that three more times. Okay. That's, their margin, that's, their that's fair. Their era is so small. Mm-hmm. Their window is so small. Like, as good as he played, they only won by what? Like, eight, nine points. I mean, it was the end of the score was, what, 12, 13? But they was only 11. Like six, seven, eight the whole mm-hmm. game. And they, yeah. Jimmy Butler played damn near perfect. Mm-hmm. The Lakers took the lead in the f- fourth quarter for a second I, I on a 40-point triple-double. He- right. So I just think that if AD has 25 points and LeBron has 25 last night, they still could have lost. Yeah, so in my opinion, I just think that you know, we'll see a different element to the games now. I think that, uh, I don't know, I'm personally uh, a sports theorist. I think it's rigged, so they weren't going to let it go four games because you ain't going to make no money off of that. And now it's interesting. But, um, yeah, because I'm mm-hmm. saying, like, come on, y'all be real. Like, AD's never got five fouls in the whole playoffs. He might got five fouls for the whole playoffs altogether. Mm-hmm. And he got five fouls. Come on, man. So let me ask you this, Sully. Are you surprised that Miami was there? I mean, you talked no. about the matchups. Were you surprised that Miami was able to leave, uh, come out of the East? No. There was only one team I could see that Miami would have really struggled with, and that was Toronto, because they're built very similarly. Mm-hmm. They both switch. They're both excellent on defense. I thought Boston had a chance, but I think they got outcoached. Brad Stevens never dealt with his own, and he's a college coach. Uh, that's an amazing point. As a college, co- a former college coach, you don't have an answer for a zone. That seems like that's something you should have. Mm-hmm. That's on, a pretty much on that seems elementary for a college coach. Point. That seems uh, elementary. I, but again, it's, it's not just matchups. Now it's your coach. If your coach sees a defect, and then let's just mm-hmm. put it on top of it. Kimball Walker, Kimball Walker was a no show big time, and. I don't know. I'm just sitting at home like, does Brad Stevens understand that you have two dogs that can go at Bam and get him in foul trouble and then the whole zone has to go away? Or is he just going to keep shooting 43s a game? And when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, Miami's going to the finals. No question about it. Do you think my my, my question about Miami, do you think that they can maintain this level of play beyond this season? Do you think this is a do you think this is a case of Miami's really overachieving this year by getting to the finals, or do you see them as a player in the East for years to come? I think they're one or two players from being there for longevity. Um, I don't think Jimmy Butler can do this mm-hmm. like at that level of eighty two games. Nah, no way. I think they're one or two players away. If they got one or two players that can really complement him and can kind of fill out. I mean, think about it. Jay Crowder was in. I don't even know where he was at the beginning of the year. He got traded like two, three times. And then, boom, he's in the system. He fits the, the mm-hmm. schematics of what they want. 
he's their type of player. Um, I do think they need another talented wing to kind of take them over the edge because I think they were running the whole year on a rookie. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Now he has to play, which he's doing well. But, again, like you said, Mike, I, psh, ain't no crowd. Ain't, ain't nothing. Yeah. Like, these dudes is performing on a glorified pickup. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a lot to, to ask at this point. High stakes we've AAU seen a lot tournament. of guys do a lot of things in empty gyms that once you put the lights on, it's mm-hmm. a different situation. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Precisely. Mm-hmm. So let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about your basketball journey a little bit. What was it like for you going from relatively small private high school, small college, transitioning to playing pro basketball what was that transition like for you um it has to be a quick one or you lose your job mm-hmm. and i think the biggest thing you have to understand and respect is space and time space on the court shrinks time to do what you need to do shrinks and if you can't adjust you never keep a job so for me that was like the biggest focal point of it all everything speeds up but you have to know how to slow it down so you can do what you do Okay. So that for me was like the biggest transition of understanding space and time and how they work. And if you don't get it, I mean, you don't get a job. Okay. What what was the most surprising part about that jump to the next level, to the pro level? Was there anything that really just you caught you off guard? You weren't expecting. Yeah. Nobody prepared you for. Everybody <laughs> Like, people always say, like, oh, these European dudes. Now you're getting a taste of it. You're getting to see. Like, I played against mm-hmm. Gordon Dragic when he was in Spain. I played against Marcus O when he was in Spain. These dudes are good. They're not no scrubs from off the street. They can play. So that was the biggest thing mm-hmm. to me, thinking you're American going in there like you're going to kill. Now you got to work every day. I think that was the biggest mindset to me was, like, you might be American. You might make more money, but if you don't hold your weight, you know, this dude from Czech Republic is going to take your check. <laughs> okay. So, compared to, like, American pros, NBA pros, is it a significant talent gap, or is it, would you say it's fairly close at this point? Because, you know, from the time we saw the Dream Team in 92 till now, there's definitely been... I think a raise in the play level of play in Europe. How close do you think that gap is at this point? It's 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 getting closer. You're you're seeing all these European kids come over here. They're coming mm-hmm. over at for high school now. So they're getting the experience. They're getting all this full gym, full contact. So the biggest thing a lot of European players were, they were their mark was they're soft. They can't take contact, they can't play through it. That's mm-hmm. not the case anymore. And we're seeing it in the world championships and, you know, in the Olympics, you're seeing like the gap is closing. Like you're not just going to beat them by 50. Like they're going to play with you because most of these players are developing the States now. So, I mean, our players in the NBA, they are still the best players talent wise. But what you're seeing is, you know, kind of like that Miami um, uh, Boston series, when you get into it and a coach gets a good scheme and you're not on on your day, anybody can mm-hmm. win. So, but I still think the NBA, yeah, come on, man. LeBron, he can go anywhere in the world. Of course. Like, there's no question about it. But a good Uh, scheme. A healthy Kevin Durant could give anybody 30. Right. Like, I mean, KD could walk into a gym, 
absolutely cold to give somebody 40, 50. But I'll tell mm-hmm. you this, a lot of European coaches, what they do is they, they figure out ways to like irritate the heck out of you or take you out of your rhythm and make it really difficult for you. Okay. So who do you think was the toughest competition you played against during your career? Like any one team, one player that really stands out like, wow, he was special or they were just different. I played against this one dude. And and to be honest with you, he's the only dude I ever marked that ever scored like 25 on me, like straight up, like mano y mano, like. He gave me mm-hmm. 25, and it was clean. And I was like, okay, this dude is a grown man. I think his name was like Robert Clayton or something like that. And the first time, we were in Greece, and he gave me 25. And I okay. played – I thought I was playing good D. I thought I was playing there. I was there. <laughs> my hand was in his face. You know, I hit mm-hmm. his elbow, and he just gave me a solid 25, 20 – no, actually, he had 29. And, you know, after the game, he kind of teased me and was like, yeah, that was good to young fella, whatever. Well, not, he was a little bit older. That was probably the toughest one. Now, the second game, I definitely got him. I was like, no, nah, that's not going to happen. Now, I got to see what you do. No, nah, that's that's mm-hmm. not going to rock. I mean, he got like 14, 15. <laughs> but that first game, that, that was a, a benchmark in my head. Like, this is what a grown man can do if you give him space and time and he gets to his spot. And I think that's where the NBA players are very skilled and very understanding. They get to spots and angles, and mm-hmm. if they get there, it's nothing you could do about it. They they have that shot mastered to a point where they get the look at Jimmy Butler last night. Mm-hmm. He sets a screen and roll, gets a smaller guard, spreads the court, puts everybody in position where they can score, and he gets right down and attacks the gap. And he either going through the free throw line or he's going to hit that pull up. Yep. Now if he's in Europe. They're going to crowd the space. They're going to play him a little bit tighter. But, I mean, if he gets to his spot, it doesn't matter. And I think mm-hmm. that's the difference. This kid showed me that night. He was like, bro, I'm going to score any way I want to. It's not that you can do. All right. So, mm-hmm. now with that, moving past your career a little bit now to your, your, your playing career, you are now moved into a – mentoring phase, I guess I'll call it, of your life? Right. Okay. Balling out of control is, balling out of control is your organization, I believe. Yeah. Like, am I saying that correctly? No, you're right. You're absolutely okay. right. So it, it, it's evolved into two spaces. One, I've started a nonprofit. Okay. And basically, my nonprofit is based on the fact of me giving back and showing young men and women how to find success from a younger age. And then I started with Balling Out of Control is another form of mentoring, but more speaking, speaking to truth about sports and life. And so those are the two spaces mm-hmm. that I've tried to just kind of share and, okay. and help help young people um, along the way. Is there an angle or an aspect that you feel isn't being taught to the youth enough? Like what what is it that you feel like you are stressing more these days as you enter True. mentoring? truth mm-hmm. people lie to kids you don't tell them the truth i tell kids all the time you want to be the man that's cool i done been to a boy clinic and watched the baby drop from a girl mm. are you ready for that is that what you want to be well I, mm. i've been in a in a club where i've been dancing with another man's woman and now he comes up with a gun to my face like 
my biggest thing is truth, but it's aligned with choices are aligned with consequences. No matter what mm. choice you make, there's a consequence that comes with it. And that's the biggest thing I try to talk to young people about is it's cool to be that guy, but there's some consequences that come with it. Mm. And if you're not prepared, life don't give you a buddy pass. It'll give you a lesson, but it ain't going to give you a buddy pass. <laughs> now, oh, as you say that, that's actually a good point to transition into something I I wanted to ask you about. Because I saw a post you put up on social media a couple weeks ago that I'll say it felt a little personal to me. A, probably because I was there for some of it. And B, you know me well enough to know I had some of the same struggles in my youth. But you were discussing the challenges, the demons, if you will, that came along with alcohol for you. Would, would you mind get elaborating on that a little bit? Not, not what, at all. Go ahead. What I'm was ahead. it that, what was it that actually woke you up? I'll, I'll phrase it that way. Honestly, I, I just think what wakes you up is life. If you're lucky, you get the wake up call. Like, <laughs> Like, that's just what it is. If you're lucky, you get the wake-up call. Um, I almost killed my me and my one of my closest friends. And this is, like, December 12th. So Christmas is right around the corner. I could have killed him, myself, mm -hmm. all because of drinking. And here's the crazy mm -hmm. thing. I'd actually started going back to church. So this was, like, a one-off, like, a slide-off, like, a mistake. Like, it shouldn't even have happened. So for me, it... You know, it sounded personal because it is. I believe people will listen to you more when they know you're coming from a real place and you tell them the truth. I think so many people want to paint a picture and make you think it's mm -hmm. Mona Lisa, but they know they got it from the dollar store. And then they expect you to believe. <laughs> like, my thing, everything I do is about transparency. If you tell people the truth, people will respect you more or they don't want nothing to do with you. And if that's the case, it is what it is. So for me and that alcohol, alcohol was my life. From like 16 to 30-something years old, all I knew was to drink, to push away the things you don't want to deal with. Mm. And so for me, I believe you shared that because there's some kid out there who's like, man, I want to be cool. But my thing is, okay, you could be cool, but 20 years later, you could still be trying to figure out why this cool ain't cool no more. How long were you playing overseas? How long was your overseas career? I played for 12 years, 13 seasons. 13 seasons. Like, how did, like, you talked about, like, the effect of alcohol and how long, how long it played a role in your life. How, like, what role did it play in your career, your overseas ball career? Because you're, I, I can only assume that, you know, you're overseas, you're in another country, don't have your family around, you don't have that, uh, don't have that, that level of security, system. you know, that support system. Like, did that make it easier? Did that, I mean, did that make it easier to fall into those types of traps? Yeah, man. I drank every day. Drank every day. <clears throat> Including day before games. It just eases you up. But your body's a machine. Mm -hmm. So what you feed mm -hmm. it, it can be accustomed to it. Mm -hmm. So people had no idea, unless I did something reckless, that I was a drunk. Because as long as you get on the court and do your thing, you know, your owner, you know, mm -hmm. all these guys, they don't care. As long as you show up and do your job, so it was a it was an everyday thing. I remember a I remember a girl telling me she was like, I don't even understand 
how you can play and you drink this much. She was like, I was just at the game. You played 38 out of the 40 minutes. And you're right here in the club and you're going to drink and you're going to practice tomorrow and and you'll be just fine. So for me, it, it was everything. It mm-hmm. helped me to just kind of function. Do you feel like, mm-hmm. I, I guess, do you feel like now, now that you have transitioned, now that you, you know, you, you've been able to, to realize where things might've gone wrong as you now transition into mentoring. Are these, are these stories resonating? Are the kids understanding that, you know what, this one, this isn't that long ago. Like, cause I think a lot of times when we as adults try to, you know, try to rear kids and try and point them in and use our experiences as a reference to kind of, steer them in the right direction you know they, they they think of it as like like you know like the distant past like you know like this is ancient history but just you know you're in here telling these kids hey you know this wasn't long ago so i'm i guess the question i'm asking is do you feel like what you're saying is resonating with the kids yeah i do i just spoke to some kids via zoom a couple of weeks ago and this one kid, this one little boy just broke down and started crying. He was like, I'm right there. All my friends drink except for me. Mm. But I know this ain't what I want to do. But I want to be cool. But I don't want to lose out on this potential dream of being an athlete. Like, what do I do? I know they hear it. Like, most of these kids is already playing mm. stuff that we started long behind. You know what I'm saying? Some of us waited till college to start this. Like, these mm. dudes are trying in freshman year. So, you know, again, that's I believe that's that's my gift back to the world. It's truth, transparency. Like you don't want to listen to me? Cool. Mm-hmm. Life will teach you. Believe that. And I can't promise mm-hmm. you to be as lucky as I was. So how can people how can people find out more about your organization? How can people reach you and find you to you know to hear your story? What can they do? Absolutely. Uh, they can go to my website, SullivanPhillips.com. Um, I'm on Instagram, underscore Sully, underscore 33, uh, Facebook, Sullivan Phillips. Like I said, I'm, I'm pretty much out there. If you put my name in, you should be able to find something that can connect you to either my story or something similar. But, um, yeah, man, if you're looking for truth, come by. Um, I, be- I believe that's what I was created to do is to share what truth really looks like, what people try to lie about. Mm, that I and I appreciate that. I really do, and we're not going to take up a whole lot of your time today. But I do have, a, I don't know if JB has anything else for you, but I got one more question for you. Now, not so much on the personal life side, but more so the business side of it. Do you do you prepare the kids for those aspects as well? Because a lot of kids who have the dreams of being athletes are coming from situations where financial education was not a priority. And there are people out there looking to take advantage of. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's one of the biggest education you can give a young man. It's, you know, it's kind of like that old saying, I can give you a fish or I can show you how to fish. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? One of the biggest fishing tips I give to kids is if you want to be a pro, you better learn the 80-20 rule. It don't just apply to a marriage. It applies to your financial. 
if you're getting a contract and you're not saving 80% of that money, especially if you're in Europe, you're a fool. Mm. I would save 80% of my money and live off for 20%. And really, I would live off for 10%. But the, the reality is most of the team there pay for your car, pay for your house, mm-hmm. and all my contracts have food in it. So the only thing I spend money on was alcohol. And that's not a good thing. And, like, don't get it twisted. And they, co- and they cover your agent fees in Europe too as well, right? Yep. They pay the agent fees as well. So, you know, to a, mm. to a sportsman, that's, I don't care if you live in the States. You know, there's ways to write your contract. But if you do not have any financial guidance, the simplest rule is I'm giving 80 for later, 10 to trick off mm-hmm. if that's what you want to do. And you know what I'm saying? The 80 20 rule should be something you live by. And uh, I tricked off my first contract. And then the second time around, my mom sat me down and was like, yo, you don't have nothing. Or you can sit down and get with this 80 20. And that's kind of how I went with my career. 80% saved. I mean, you don't you don't have to spend no money. People want you to come. When they know you're a star, you play. They, they give mm-hmm. you food, they give you drinks, they do this. You, you don't have to spend any money. All you have to do is show up. So a lot of people, you know, you see a lot of even NBA athletes, they get so caught up in what's new and what's, what's, what's hip. But you can go to the club in sweats mm-hmm. and T-shirt, and the girls will love you the same, like because of who you are. You don't have to buy Louis and Gucci. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But a lot of mm-hmm. people don't get that. So that, that's the biggest thing. And we teach financial literacy to our kids here as well. You know, one of the guys in our program, he works at Wall Street. So he comes in and talks stock market, talks, you know, uh, day trading, just different things like that where kids don't have. Like, ain't nobody told me about that. Like, I was a grown man before I even heard anything about stocks and how to use it. So, mm-hmm. you know, showing the kid that, well, why would you pay $200 for a Jordan when you could buy his stock? You could buy Nike stock for $100. And for that, I absolutely want to say thank you. And I appreciate your service because educating our youth is paramount it's so important to the our the future of this this country our world everybody yeah we definitely have to protect our future and i appreciate what you are doing your part to 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 do that so thank you all right now before we before we let you go because you you can provide a little bit of insight to our audience I would like to know what was Mike Jones like to play with? Did you see a lot of Mike Jones on the court? Because the way Mike Jones likes to recall his career, he got all the buckets. He scored all the points and he got all the minutes. Is is this true? Like what kind, what kind of player is Mike Jones? Mike is very smart. Very, very smart. Wasn't somebody who took dumb shots. Wasn't somebody who was very smart on the court. Oh, you talked to this guy beforehand, didn't you? No, no, no. <laughs> Trust me when I say it. Very smart. Was not dumb. On or off the court. And when he got on the court, he wouldn't force things. He could shoot. He could play. He could do it all. But the biggest thing I remember about him, he was not dumb. And that's why, you know, mm-hmm. somebody like him will always be on my team. Because if you're smart, you don't have to work hard. Get, game is easy, especially on the offensive end. If you know oh, yeah. what you're doing. Oh yeah. But me and Mike, so let's go screen and roll, Mike. We do this all game. Mm-hmm. Either I'm gonna get a layup, or you're gonna get a wide open jump shot. Like, so to all the listeners out there, Mike is a very good player and extremely smart. 
Man. Which JB, for the record, this is actually how I got into coaching after the fact. I I was all of what five nine. I'm I wasn't the most gifted person on the court, but I did study the game and try to get the IQ to learn what was going on out there. Man, I ain't man. We ain't bring him on here to shower you with compliments, man. I wanted him to say, man, Mike Jones was he garbage. He was hoping to hear you say, I'm, hear you say I was terrible. That's know, what he was man. hoping for. Yeah, Jamie, you was hoping to be a hate on him? Wow. It's a good relationship. Y'all got this good show. Y'all going to hate on each other right. this time? I mean, this is real sports right here. Hey, look. Oh, this is my man. No, nah, that, that, that's, that's my, my man, 50 grand. But look, if, if you think we get on each other right th- like like now, and we're, you know, we doing Zoom calls. You should see when me and Mike get into it and we in the same room. Actually, Wait, you know, it's, it's even room. worse when we in the same room and I'm sitting across the table from him. Good times, so, man. I'm, sh- I'm sure you remember I had no problems being a trash talker, so. Oh, no, no, no. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially when you can back it up. Oh, yeah. You got mm-hmm. to let certain people know where they stand for sure. Definitely, definitely. Exactly. Well, look. All right, well, we're about to, we got to take a break. Yeah. We're coming up on the, right up on the end of this segment. Sully, thanks again for joining us. This was fun. Oh, we definitely got to do it again. Yeah, so. we got to have you back on soon. We got to have you back on real soon. Absolutely, man. You guys send me the link. Let me know. You feel this podcast? To hear this and more, go to SoundCloud.com slash B-I-T-W Sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown. Councilmember Isaiah Thomas, and I'm here with an important reminder for the citizens of Philadelphia. Please remember to do your part to stop the spread and stay home. Only leave the house when it's absolutely necessary, and when you do leave the house, please remember to practice social distancing. Again, we need everybody to do their part to stop the spread. Now, I'm going to pass it off to Philadelphia basketball legend, Aaron McKee. Hey Philly, it's Aaron McKee, head coach of Temple Isles men's basketball team, former 76er and graduate of Simon Gratz High School. The coronavirus is not playing. We have to stop the spread of COVID-19 to protect everybody. Even though the weather is getting nicer, we have to keep six feet of social distance from one another. If you have to go out, wear a mask. It's called being a good teammate to one another. We can do this, Philly. Let's stop the spread. Over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. Work. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Both of you are crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brown. Are we are back on Jonesy and Brown. Yo, shout out to Sullivan Phillips, man. Look, you... you... At Sully underscore 33. S U L L I underscore thirty three. Yes, sir. You can find him on social media, Facebook Sullivan Phillips. You know he's a good, good follow, good man. Pay, pay attention to these. Yo, you prepped that guy very well, man. You prep. Look, he didn't bite one bit. 
And here's the thing, man, because when we have James Lewis on the show, oh, he'll jump. Mm-hmm. He, he'll take that bait in a second. You ask him to, you ask him to throw some Jonesy shade, and he's just like, please, yes, you know, <laughs> yes. Sully was like, nah, bro. I mean, he straight, you know, he worked that angle. He was like, no, Mike Jones is smart. That's a smart man. That's a smart basketball player. He didn't bite one bit. That hey, I respect that man. Hey man, you, you know, you know I, how I respect I feel that. About that point guard IQs. Yes, I, I couldn't do that if you know if I was a low IQ guard. That, that'd be hypocrisy. That is true. That is true. So look, man, before we before we move on, I just wanted to uh, jump back into the NBA Finals. Just two uh, mm-hmm. as we do this show, as we record this show, it is two one. You know, uh, there's still more basketball. To, there's still more basketball to play. But last week we predicted, we both predicted Lakers in, in six. six. Has mm-hmm. anything happened so far in this series that changed you? That might have changed no. your mind. Not at all. First two games, Lakers dominated. Game three, the Heat showed what type of competitors they are. Mm-hmm. They showed what that. They aren't they're out there just to crown the Lakers as champs and go home. They're mm-hmm. here to compete. But I think we've also seen an overall difference in talent and experience between the Lakers and the neophyte Miami Heat. You know, they're all first-timers in the finals, yeah. and most of them are very young players, mm-hmm. whereas the, the the Lakers have LeBron in his 10th finals appearance. You've got playoff Rondo, who's had a f- couple finals appearances and mm-hmm. several deep playoff runs. Danny Green, who's been to the finals a few times. Mm-hmm. So Dwight Howard's even been to the finals previously. JaVale McGee has been there before. They've got a lot of guys who have been there before. So I think we're seeing that difference. Now, we'll see how the rest of the series plays out. Mm-hmm. I'm still expecting the LA, LA to win two more of the next three games and close it out in six at, mm-hmm. as predicted. I think it kind of it speaks like when I watch this game, when I watch this series and I hear what you and Sully talked about, you touched on this in the last segment, but you talked about how when you're in the bubble, the, I guess the aspects of the game that are taken away, like you don't have the crowd noise anymore. You don't have home field advantage, but you also don't have the, you know, the road, you know, mm-hmm. the, the pressures of the road and something I've always talked about with you, you know, when I, I presented uh, the Chase Utley syndrome, when I talk about how, teams play like their best player mm-hmm. you see who jimmy butler is jimmy butler is alpha dog let's go out there let me leave it all out in the court i just want to win and when you are in a situation like miami is in they're a young team and you're taking you've taken everything about the game away except for the game so you know when you had when you when you've taken all of those distractions, all of those parameters of the game away, mm-hmm. you know, you look at Miami, they're a young team, haven't been there before. So they're, you know, if there's anybody that's going to rely on the best player in the league, or excuse me, 
the best player the best on your player team. On their team. It's Miami, and that's exactly what they're doing. All they have to go on is the one guy who has playoff experience, and even he doesn't have playoff experience that deep. You know, a couple second, you know, what, second you know, a couple, round, a couple second round team. I don't think a Jimmy Butler team has gone got to the conference I think this finals. This was his first conference conference championship yeah. was this year. Yeah, but but then you also look at the type of player that Jimmy Butler is. Jimmy Butler is not the type of player who's going to get caught up in the moment. You know, he's in the conference final. He's not going to get wrapped up in the Jimmy moment. It's Butler's ball. the guy who shows up in his minivan ready to ball. Yeah. He shows up with his minivan, his $20 coffees, and he's ready to ball. That's it. And they see that, and that's all they have to go to go off. So to me, you know, it's like I asked the question about can Miami, you know, can Miami keep up this pace? For years to come, is Miami mm-hmm. now a player? And I agree with the point that Sully made that, yeah, you know what, they might need a piece or two to add. But I feel like this is truly, this could be truly like a coming of age. You're going to see, you know, maybe you'll see players emerge from this Miami team with some real experience to take back with them once the crowds come back. I think this is going to be good for a team like Miami. I think you're going to see Miami, you know, even if they take a step back, say Miami does not come back and they're as good as the Torontos or the Milwaukee's or the Sixers or whatever, you know, the Boston's next year. It's still, you know, you're going to see it. you're, You're going to see them, even if they take a step back, they're going to take a, they're going to take that step forward real quick because you know i think you're you're watching young men come of age when you watch this miami team I, and i i would have to agree with you i think going forward guys like tyler hero duncan robinson this will be great for their confidence going forward for the rest of their careers a kid like tyler hero being able to step up and perform on this stage can do nothing but good for him in the future. That being said, yeah, I still don't think they're quite ready this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. You know, oh. especially with the loss of Goran Dragic and the injury to Bam Adebayo, he who should be back, but who knows what what he'll be if he'll really be at a hundred percent, which mm-hmm. is unlikely. So, but they have a lot of young talent down in Miami right now. And I do think they are more than a one-and-done type team as far as being able to compete and make playoff runs. But that being said, Brooklyn will be interesting next year. Yeah, yeah. The Sixers should be interesting next year. Mm Mm-hmm. The Celtics should be interesting next year. So the East is not going to be a cakewalk. And the teams that I just named, all of them have number one options. Their star player is at a younger age than Jimmy Butler. So I don't think it will be a situation where you see Miami make 
two, three runs in a row to the NBA Finals. But I do think they have a chance, to, well, depending on matchups and seeding, to maybe get back to another conference finals or two in the next couple of years. So I do think that'll be interesting to watch. I, I'm, I'm expecting a, you know, barring injury, a long, productive career from a kid like Tyler Hero. Yeah, definitely. definitely. He's really show, like he's really shown something, and I, I feel like. Honestly, once again, that speaks to the point that you and Sully made last segment. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. right now, he's what? He's, right now, he's probably the second option on that team. You add you add a piece or two, move him back an option. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, now you, ha- you have to worry about Jimmy and another player. I think that would help in Tyler Hero's growth and his ascension, you know, up the ranks. Like right now, he's playing out of his mind, playing out of his mind, uh, ba- just you know, out of his mind basketball right now. And you want to see more of him in the in the years to come. But you might, but I, I'm not quite sure if he's ready to go a full 82 games as the number two guy on that team. Mm, I understand. The thing is, that's pretty much well. I wouldn't say he was the number two guy this entire season. Well, not this entire season, but he's kind of grown into that in the playoffs. He's grown into that role. He's, I mean, essentially, like Dragic. I mean, he was technically the second option, Mm -hmm. but as as the point guard, you know, you're still a facilitator, and. You know, so of course Jimmy Butler's your primary option as the facilitator. Now, if I'm Dragic and option A isn't available, option B is go to Hero. Unless, of course, you're going for your own shot. But he's still, you know, spent all year top two, top three option on that Heat team. And he's performed admirably in that role. Especially during this playoff run, I think he's surprised many of us yeah. with with his ability to sh- knock down big shots repeatedly. It wasn't just, oh, he hit this one clutch shot. He's been there repeatedly. Smart mm-hmm. plays, big plays, you know. And I think that is something we can expect to see a lot more of from the, from that kid going forward. Definitely. The NBA honestly looks to be in good hands going forward into the next 10 years or so. I'm excited to see what these a lot of these young kids turn into. Okay. All right. So before we before we jump off basketball, because there's still a lot of football to talk about our Mm -hmm. team, our local team made a move in the finals during the during finals time. They announced a new head coach. It is official. The, the head coach, the new head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers is Glenn. We ain't calling him Doc Rivers. <laughs> now, I ask you because you have said on this podcast, on the Jonesy and Brown podcast, not just offense, defense, and discourse, not just 83 to infinity or the 10,000 other podcasts we do. You have mm-hmm. said on this podcast that you weren't necessarily you you weren't really excited. Like this this pick didn't really excite you. 
Mm-mm, it didn't. Why? I I'd much, I greatly preferred it to Dan Tony. Yes. As I mentioned before, Ty Ty Lu was a name. It was like I just don't know. Mm-hmm. I just like I gave him an incomplete because I just didn't know enough one way or the other. He could possibly be a great coach, but that's just a hard determination to make. Mm-hmm. So, of the established coaches, which I, which is what I think the Sixers were looking for, I don't think they wanted to go to another new coach to replace Brett Brown. So, being in the market for an experienced guy. Doc was the best of what was available. I'm sorry. Glenn Rivers was the best of what was available. So now he's only been a coach now. He's been a coach for a couple of hours now. Mm -hmm. Is there something about what he brings to a team? What, what do you think he'll bring to this team that Brett Brown couldn't do? Do you think it's just about experience? Like, or is it more X's and O's? What do you think he's doing that Brett Brown could not do? I think it'll be some X's and O's, but for me, the biggest thing I'm hoping to see Glenn Rivers bring to this team mm-hmm. is accountability. That's what I want to see first and foremost. Starting from the top down with your best players, I want to see guys be accountable for their performance on every possession of every game. Your effort on the defensive end, your commitment to doing the right things the right way on the offensive end, the practice room, your conditioning, your diet, all that stuff. Those are the things for these guys to, to take that next step there has to be a sense of accountability where you're not just out there to have fun anymore. Mm. This is your job. This is work. This is business. And we're going to treat it as such and be all in and be focused on it. You know, I, I, a phrase that is probably overused at this point, Mm. but you want to see guys develop that Mamba mentality, the killer instinct. And so that is what I would like to see the new coach help this team develop more than anything else. Because talent, this roster has a lot of talent. We'll see if what changes, if any, are made to mm-hmm. the roster this year. But there's definitely talent in-house. Uh, shout out to Todd, who's watching on Facebook Live. Remember, you can make sure you follow Best in the World Sports on Facebook. And then you can watch us as we record the Jonesy and Brown podcast live every week. Shout out to Todd, though. He says, who's going to hold Elton Brand accountable? He signed that t- he signed that terrible contract uh, to Horford. I'm, I'm pretty much I'm pretty sure that's who he's talking about. He signed Horford and Tobias Harris to those big contracts and didn't sign Jimmy Butler. So as you talk mm-hmm. about accountability, who's going to hold Elton Brand accountable? It should be Josh Harris, but I don't think that's really going to happen. Well, see, here's what's about that is I was actually wondering the same question, mm. same thing. Who's going to keep, you know, accountable? And what came, what I realized is that if 
if he doesn't do the right things over the next year or so, you could very easily see Rivers move into a role similar to the role he had in in the, with the Clippers. With the Clippers when he was mm-hmm. So when he was the guy who did the front office work as well as the coaching. So Philly So I, I think I could see Philly going into I could see the Sixers going into a situation as more like the you could see the uh the whole Chip Kelly Howie Roseman scenario. Whereas, yes, they're they're big on Elton Brand, but if Elton Brand and Doc Rivers can't get on the same page, does Doc Rivers make that power play to assume more power? And you see Elton Brand either forced to, you, know, you see Elton Brand be reassigned, um, almost a almost a Chip Kelly Howie Roseman yeah. situation. Yeah, where, maybe they like, won't. Yeah, you know, when Chip came in, Howie was the GM, but you know. A couple years in, the coach might move into. Now, I don't think Elton will be reassigned. Elton will just be gone. Yeah, Elton just get put out. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, he's he's got at least this off season through this through this next season to prove he's able to make the right moves for this team. So, mm-hmm. but I think the presence of Doc Rivers in the building keeps Elton Brand accountable. Mm-hmm. I think so too. I think it it definitely, honestly, it will definitely make this draft interesting. I know you mm-hmm. and I kind of differ on what we think is the most pressing need for this team. I know you have said you feel like they they need a true point guard. They need a point guard who can run the offense, a facilitator. Me, I feel like they need more. It's more about shooting. I think they need a two guard. You know, somebody who can spread the floor. And shoot and keep and basically and, and keep the the paint keep down low open for Joel and B because it it looks as if this team is not going to move on from Embiid anytime soon. Mm, that's very unlikely. As so, much as people like me float that idea, you know, I mm-hmm. doubt highly that it happens anytime soon. And I and I guess I I don't think. I don't think necessarily this means you're going to have, I don't think bringing in Doc Rivers, especially with bringing in, excuse me, Glenn Rivers, bringing in Rivers <laughs> over D'Antoni. I think you're, you're bringing in D'Antoni. I just feel like all that's going to mean is Joel Embiid is going to be living out his Steph Curry fantasies every game, shooting up threes every time he gets the ball, never even going down low. Mm-hmm. But and I think that's a big part of the reason why the Sixers went the way they did mm-hmm. with Rivers over D'Antoni. Yeah. D'Antoni, as much as he's known as an offensive genius guru type, no one's ever accused him of having a good defense. Mm-hmm. No, ever. And no one's accused him of having a defense or not. Defense wins championships. No one's ever accused D'Antoni of having a defense. Period. You know. His defense is, I'm going to outscore you. His defense for the last couple of years has been, give James Harden the ball and let him score 50 points. And if you don't have a guy that can give you 50 a night, then you're going to lose. So, 
unfortunately, you know, right now, Sixers don't got that guy. Nobody's giving, you know, nobody's putting up buckets like James Harden. And I understand that people were, there were people saying that bringing in D'Antoni might mean a play to bring in James Harden. And it was, and it, it's funny because once again, I know you. So anybody who floated that idea out on Twitter, I immediately tagged you. I'm like, <laughs> because I wanted you to take that bait. I wanted you to jump in that conversation. I wanted you to see that. And you being all mature, being all Mr. I don't get into those types of conversations. Mr. You know, fans can be idiots sometimes. You know, you, you want to take the high road, man. So sick of the high road, what you do. So sick of the high road, man. Get get in the mud sometimes, bruh. But, you know, the, the point being it, the point being that I think you'll see Joel Embiid playing more of a traditional center role with Glenn Rivers coaching because you saw it with big men. You know, you saw it with, you know, with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. You know, you've seen him work with a big man. Now, I mean, whether it be a power forward or a center, you know, mm-hmm. you, you've seen them and they play, tradi- you know, like every now and then, you know, Kevin, you know, Kevin, Cor- excuse me, Kevin, Cor- Kevin Garnett, could spread the floor, come out wide, and hit a jumper. But he did most of his work in the paint. You know, I think you're going to see Joel Embiid play more of the traditional center role with Glenn Rivers coaching the team. Now, now he, Coach did do an interview on local radio mm-hmm. Monday afternoon where he actually talked about that some. And the position he specifically addressed having Embiid in was at the elbows a little more mm-hmm. rather than out by the three-point line, you know, step in a couple steps from the elbow mm-hmm. and work, work from there, which which I like. And he also talked directly about to the fact that you will see Joel in a lot more pick and rolls this year as well. I like that. So. He's, you know, he, mm-hmm. he's saying, I he's, do saying as well. he's saying now, the right we'll, things because we'll there's nothing wrong with playing at the elbow. Working out. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I want to see more than anything else from Joel and B is effort. Mm. What I mean, what I mean by effort is that you you run hard to both ends of the floor. When the ball changes ends, you're running hard to change your established position. And then work from the inside out. I'm not saying you got to be in the low post for every bucket, for every shot, but you definitely should be working from the inside out, definitely. because the inside is where you have a clear advantage over everyone in the league. There's nobody that can guard him down there. Nobody. No. 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 Definitely. Definitely. Well, it will, only time will tell. It'll be very interesting. New coach in Philadelphia, Mr. Glenn. We ain't calling you Doc Rivers. But I will tell you this. He interviewed with Mark Zumoff. And he was and Mark Zumoff has probably been the, the number one guy in this city championing the whole the whole concept that his name is Glenn and his name is not Doc. And people mm-hmm. were saying, Hey, what are you you know, what are you going to do now that Coach Rivers is in town? And to mm-hmm. me, I felt like there was only one way. There, there was only one way to go. I'm like, and it would be one. Mark Zumoff continues to call him Glenn Rivers, 
Like, don't change now he's here. And Coach Rivers has to respect it because it's, you know, you're, he, he, the whole concept is invoking and protecting the legacy of Dr. J. So you can't have a beef with that. But apparently they're on the same page, and that's exactly how it's going to go down. He'll be Glenn Rivers, and he understands that in Philly there's only one doc. You can't argue with that. That's you know if that's not something you can argue with that while you're in this city. At least I feel like that. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, so look, let's take a real quick break, and we'll jump back into the conversation. This is Jonesy and Brown. He's Mike Jones. And That's I, John Brown. Yes. And we are Jonesy and Brown. We will be right back. Remember, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Jonesy and Brown. Follow at BITW Sports. And remember to search for Best in the World Sports on wherever you get your podcasts from SoundCloud, Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, iHeartRadio. Just search Best in the World Sports. Look, don't go nowhere. We will be right back, all right? He's Jonesy. I'm Brown. We'll be right back. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown. When you deal with COVID-19, and this virus to violate social distancing rules is suicidal. And it becomes homicidal when you take it home to your loved ones, auntie, uncle, grandparents. We have to be disciplined uh, enough to let the virus pass over us. If you are a Philly sports fan looking for extensive coverage of your favorite local pro and college teams, go to TotalSportsLive.com. Total Sports Live is your one-stop shop for all the news you need to know in the Philadelphia sports scene. Be sure to follow Total Sports Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When you need to know Philly sports, get to know TotalSportsLive.com. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Both you are crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brown. All right, we back. Shout out to my man, Miguel. Miguel's hit us up. He's watching the podcast. He said he's listening while he's in class. All right, look, don't get in trouble for us. We, we ain't the dudes you want to get in trouble in class for. All right. We appreciate you listening. Like, like, don't turn it. Like, don't turn us off. Just don't get in trouble, bro. You know, you know, we don't, we don't want you to get kicked out of class or anything. You know, you busting out laughing as we talking, uh, talking all this sports. Shout out to my man, Sonny. Sonny representing Howard University all, all day, every day, all, you know, Sonny loves himself some Howard University and I respect Howard. I got love for Howard. I just, just like, I'm not going to call Glenn oh, Rivers. Man, I got a lot of love for Howard University. Yeah. But here's the thing. I'm not just like, I'm not going to call, uh, 
Glen Rivers Doc. I'm not going to call Howard University the Mecca because I don't know who called them. The, they call themselves the Mecca. Now, I've got a few family members that went through Howard. My mom's brother was head of their honors communications graduate program for a while. So you'll hear nothing but good things to come out of my mouth about Howard University. That's a quality institution. It is a quality institution. Now, I've broken it down. I've, I've yeah. talked to you about this. You you know where I stand with Howard. Well, where my family stands with HBCUs. All right? My mother is a... I mean, you're, you're a Morgan guy. I, I am so. a Morgan grad. I am a graduate of Morgan State University. My mother is a graduate of Morgan State University. My father is a graduate of North Carolina State A&T University in Greensboro, North Carolina. My brother, my sister, her husband, and his sister are all graduates of Howard University, and they all want to come over around the holidays and talk all that. Howard is the Mecca. Howard is the Mecca. And like, whatever, man. Nobody nobody calls y'all the Mecca except for Howard people. If you was the Mecca, that's what people would recognize. They say, oh man, Howard's the Mecca. Who called who told Howard they was the Mecca of HBCUs? When Howard ain't even a real H U. See, now that that, that, that might that might you, that, that might I'm be not starting no part to this conversation. <laughs> you on your own with this one? No, you you're right. I'm I'm gonna leave that. I'm gonna leave that with a little. I don't know how many Hampton grads uh, listen to this at, podcast. At, at JLB from DV, DVM, you can take your correct comments directly. Yeah, to them. Again, you know, at, I, I'm, at JLB from DVM. I, I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to piss off Howard Nation right now. You know, that's, send your that's, hate mail directly to him. I'm sure I'll get to it. The show. I, I'm, I'm sure I'll get it. I'm sure oh, I'll man, get all let's that. Let's get back into it. All right, hey man. We, uh, real quick, we gotta talk about it. Okay, what, what is it? What, what do we? What do we gotta talk about? And we saved it for last, you know. Yes. The NFC least. Oh, boy. Okay, you know what? Yeah. We are going to get into that. Real quick, though, before we even get into the NFC least, uh, Bill O'Brien got fired on Monday. Texans, he did. Texans I saw that. Texans, Texans let gave go of their head coach. They let go of their head coach. They gave, they gave Bill O'Brien the old KRS-One treatment. He called him into the office and said, hey, man, do you ever think about when you out of here? Trade DeAndre Hopkins out of here. Give Deshaun Watson all that money out of here. He's gone. Mm-hmm. Highest payroll in the league. Your first round and second round picks for next year gone. are in Miami f- for an offensive lineman. And... You're 0-4, so you could really use those picks next year. Mm-hmm. You made your quarterback the second highest paid player in the league, so you could really use some low price salary controlled talent. You talk you about that. You gave all of that away. You talk about this often. I'm, I'm, I'm feeding you right now. Let me play the point card because I know this is your wheelhouse. You always talk about this. Building a team after you've broken off the quarterback. You gave the, Watson that's the hardest a bu- thing to do in the NFL. Yes. So they gave Watson a boatload of money. Now here's the thing. I I under He's a I, winner. He, the kid's the real deal. Yes. 
But but the team they're putting around him is not built to win football games. No. No. You took away the you took away his best weapon, gave him a bunch of number two and number three receivers, some of which have issues staying on the field. You traded for a running back whose best years was three, four years ago, mm-hmm. and he's had issues being healthy and consistently on the field since then. Um, now, Sonny pointed out they did get picks in the air from Arizona in the Hopkins mm-hmm. trade. That is true, but... They gave away their pick, which at this point is looking like a really good pick to Miami in the Laramie Tunsil deal. So and it's like, and, that's and, a wash at best. Let's see. They traded they traded for David Johnson, who you said mm-hmm. they traded DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, who, like you said, uh running back whose best years are probably behind him, a, a second round pick and a fourth round pick. But yet you gave away a first and yeah, a there, second. It wasn't even a first round. I'm sorry. It wasn't even a first rounder in that pick. I'm no. in that trade. I'm sorry. No. It was a second rounder. So, so it's and, not even a wash. They mm-hmm. So you and one, you traded for yeah, a second no. round pick in this past draft. So I don't even know who they got in the uh I gotta look that up. Who they got in the uh with that pick. But nonetheless, here's mm-hmm. the thing. Like I understand in theory and you have what the they were doing in the league and the, and don't forget the salary cap is likely to be flat or go down next year so mm-hmm. i guess in theory i i understand what they did in the sense that okay you got yourself a, you you got yourself a running back we're not talking about the quality of running back that you got but you got yourself a running back to trying to ease some pressure and on your quarterback and you got him what you believed was going to be the anchor of your offensive line and going to get Collins. But like you said, you know, you can't underestimate the value of a quality left tackle. Yeah. You got what what, you gave up to get him. Yes. What you gave up to get him and, and what you did to get him. You didn't draft this tackle. You went out and traded for this tackle. So you gave up draft picks. And you have guys. Yes, multiple picks. And you have guys that you have to re-sign and who aren't going to, who don't have to, you know, you have guys not on their rookie contracts. Leo Collins is, you know, his his next deal, you got to break him off. And I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure if you have and, and and look, you know, David Johnson, yeah, he's nice, but are you when his contract is up, are you really looking to re-sign him? You no, know, and do you have the running the back? One in, good thing about that is running back is running back is generally a replaceable position. It is. You generally you can find you can usually find someone serviceable at that position. It is, but do you, you is may, that guy on that roster now? That's guy in the league. No. It, that guy's not on the yeah. roster now, and all you you throw all of that together, you got Bill O'Brien looking to be the next guest on Jonesy and Brown because he's got a lot of time on his hands. All that, all all that comes, yeah. all all that equals calling Bill O'Brien into the office and giving him the Craig Mack. You won't be around next year. He's no. done. 
Now, what I will say is that Houston has not had the easiest schedule thus far this season. No. So that Owen, what, Owen three Owen, at Owen point, four. They're Owen four. Owen, Owen four. Owen four. Yep. Over for the season. You, you, that it does have to be put into some perspective. Mm-hmm. But Owen four is that's, that's not going to get it done anyway. But and yes. you lost to some pretty good teams this yes. season. They've lost. You lost to, to the Chiefs. The Chiefs in at, Week One. The Ravens. You lost to the Ravens in Week Two. Lost to the Steelers. You lost to the Steelers, who are playing good football this year. And you lost to the Vikings. And then the one, I guess, what I'll call a bad loss is the Vikings, who are struggling out of the gates this year. But over the last couple years, they've been. A pretty good, pretty competitive team as well. So, from that standpoint, yeah, they're zero and four. Yeah, they're not looking great, but their zero and four is different to me than an NFC East zero and four. Ooh, ooh. So let's let, let, let's let's go to the NFC least. Now you see what I have on. You're, you're looking. You're looking across at me. I have on my Eagles hat. Yeah, we got to do it. I got on my Eagles shirt. I understand. We devote and, and understand. You and I are from the Philadelphia area, so we spent all of last week talking about the dismal state of sports in Philadelphia. But understand something. Mm-hmm. Let me explain to you. Yeah, what, we, we needed to have that talk. We, we, we needed to have that talk. But let me tell you what happened on Sunday night. Let me tell you what happened on Sunday night. And let me tell you what it was. The Eagles got their first win of the season. Going to the West Coast. And beating the San Francisco 49ers. Granted, a beat up San Francisco 49ers team without Nick Bosa, without Jimmy Garoppolo, playing with Nick Mullins. Mm-hmm. Nick Mullins. Monster- yeah, without Monster. Excuse me. Yes. Now, Nick Mullins could walk into this, sh- this room with a shirt on that said, I am Nick Mullins, and I still wouldn't recognize it. But you know what that, that rule could also apply to? The Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver core roster. Yes. Oh, it's more than just a wide receiver core. But I, so I start the with them. They were. They had a running backs out there that you'd never heard of. They had receivers you'd never heard of. They had players in the on the offensive line who was like. Uh, what, what's that name? Mm-hmm. Weren't you at the grocery store in my? T- weren't yes. you at my grocery store last week? Yes. Th- these are the guys the Eagles are throwing out there at multiple positions. So they went into they went into this to pull this game off missing eight of eight of their original eleven offensive players. You had mm-hmm. you had yeah. Carson Wentz. Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz. 
Those were the guys that you planned on going into the 2020 season playing who actually played. Oh, excuse me. Also, you know what? We'll, we'll throw in um, we'll throw in Jason Kelsey. Kelsey, Kelsey played. Kelsey played. Mm-hmm. Kelsey played. So Kelsey you have played. four. Four, yes. Four, four of four, your eleven. Four of your eleven. Yes. Original starters for this team. But let me. But but I was the point I was making was they won. La, they won on Sunday. That win, although gratifying. For us as fans, because nobody wanted to see o three and one. That was the proverbial axe body spray to cover up the stink that is the NFC East. Right now, we good because we sprayed our our one two and one with some axe. So we're in the first. We're in first place. We're in first place right now. Yes, you know, yeah, they're, 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 this is a terrible div- division. I mean, how sad is that, that 1-2-1 and one can have you in first place? 1-2-1 and one can have you in first place. You're looking at Seattle at 4-0. You're looking at Tampa Bay at 3-1. and one. You're looking at Green Bay at 3-0. and oh. We're looking at 1-2-1. and one. But you know what, man? I'm walking tall. I understand. And, and, and the thing is, you know because you're an Eagles fan and like me, you're a pretty old Eagles fan too. We, 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 we've covered this team for a long time. I'm not calling you, we're not elderly, but look, we're older. And I feel like, I, I feel like almost every season, no matter how the Eagles have finished, they spend at least a week or two in first place. Could be week one, week two, week three. Could be week 14, 15, or 16. But at some point in time during the season, you know the Eagles are going to be in first place. So, look, we mm-hmm. we understand we're realists because also we look at the we, – we look at where this team is going for, you know, the rest of the season. We know what's coming up. We know they got the Steelers. We know they got the Ravens. Neither of those are, neither of those are gimmies. In fact, Eagles ain't got no gimmies. Ain't no gimmies on this on the schedule. I mean, you're you're playing a division champions. You're the division champs. You're playing the division champ schedule. Mm-hmm. So, your schedule is going to, on paper should be tougher than anyone else in your division. At this point, they so play. So from that standpoint, you should have very few gimmies on your schedule. At this point, you and see, then you're, you're looking at you're the Giants. What divisions yeah. are we playing this year? You're playing the uh, AFC East, uh, mm-hmm. NFC West, NFC South. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me, no, you're not playing the NFC mm-hmm. South, but you got uh, you got the Saints on the schedule. But you are playing NFC West. You got see you got to go. You got Seattle coming in. Got the Packers coming in. Uh, no, you're going to Green Bay. Excuse me. Going to mm-hmm. Green Bay. That's what I mean. There's, there's yeah, no layups. Yeah, on there, the schedule, there, there, no. Now, in fact, at this point in time, now you have two or three games. You have two or three games with the Giants, with uh, the Cowboys, sandwiched in between. Got the Giants on the twenty second, 
the Cowboys on the first side of those and the Giants again on the outside of those two games against the Giants. I know I'm saying I don't even call those. You got the schedule in front of you. So, yeah, but let me ask you a question outside of those two games against the Giants and the the second game against the football team. Are there any games on that schedule you could actually legitimately see the Eagles going into being the favorite? No, no, because I'm honestly I'm looking at this and you see that this could that's the question. This could be this this could be the year, and understand understand this and and for people who have followed Jonesy and Brown as we've gone down this podcast road. Mm-hmm. This might be the season that Browns don't brown. You know, Cleveland's playing better football. Yes, it's, you know, we're still going into the second month of the season. So there's still time for the Browns to brown. But you have, you're going to Cleveland. That's not a gimme. You got Seattle coming back in. That's definitely not a gimme. The Eagles have never the played. Browns are playing good football yeah. at this point. Yeah. Seattle has owned the Eagles over the last 10 to 15 years. You got to go to Green Bay. Mm -hmm. You got New Orleans coming in here. You got to go to Arizona. That's not a gimme. So it, you know, it, it, no, there are no gimmies. No, there are no gimmies. So at this point, Mm -hmm. you darn right. I'm going to sit here and tout my first place, Philadelphia Eagles. Cause there's a good chance that they they go from worse to first back to worse next week. They could go worse to first to worse. So, so let, let's talk about another team in the division for a second. Okay. Because the the Cowboys, you saw their quarterback throw for 500 yards, four touchdowns. And lose. Mm-hmm. What's going on with their defense? Like it's almost like they forgot defense existed. Exactly. You know what? Do you remember? And and, and let, let's let's jump in a way back machine. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Like when Peyton Manning first got into the league, and that mm-hmm. that Colts offense was so prolific. He had that thing working like clockwork but this is before they you know before Dwight Freeney really emerged and it was like they had a really their their offense Bob Sanders on the roster yeah yeah and but that that defense really wasn't putting out the effort wasn't really getting the results that that offense was getting think back to those those early greatest show on turf Rams team where you knew that mm-hmm. Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk and Bruce and Holt could just light it up, but that defense would give up as many points as the offense was scoring. That Dallas defense on Sunday made Baker Mayfield look like an all-time great. The type of play, it, it wasn't just, and it wasn't just that. 300 plus. 307 yards on the ground, I believe Dallas gave up. 307 yards on the ground. They were scoring with trick plays. They were th- with, with, with 
wide receiver passes, end arounds. They look like for real. Like the Cleveland Browns. They gave them everything. Yeah. The Cleveland Browns had Dallas looking like 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 who's the Cowboys and who's the Browns? Shout out and, and, and here's the thing. Let me take this time to once again shout out good friend to the show, Ashley Baker, who said the Cowboys were gonna go twelve and four. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean we're doing this show. Got nothing but love for Ashley. I got nothing but, but I got on, she's nothing. A Cowboys fan. I got nothing but love from for Ashley. And I'm pretty sure she's not watching <laughs> us on Facebook Live as we record this show. But I'm look Ashley, I'm looking directly at you. Twelve and four. I'm using my deep, trying to be professional uh, voice here. Ashley, 12 and 4? Dallas Cowboys, 12 and 4? You serious? Maybe they go 11 and 1 on the rest of the year. Uh, what's in that cup? You said maybe they go 11 and 4 for the. Maybe they. Maybe they. Maybe they go eleven and one. I don't know. Maybe, what what is in that cup? Let me ask you that. What's what's in that cup? <laughs> the heck are you uh, drinking? Man, uh, hey man, I'm, I'm just having fun. You, that made that made me laugh a little bit. No, Cowboys said, go eleven and one. <laughs> she, she said twelve and four. And here's the thing. And what what I found most egregious about her picks and and we love Ashley. I'm not. I am. I am definitely not picking on her. I respect her. I, I respect her professional mind. I respect her professional opinion. But you know, her being a Cowboys fan, me being an Eagles fan, we just weren't meant to get along. But uh, but she had said twelve and four for the Cowboys, nine and seven for the Eagles. And there's a good chance this Eagles team ain't gonna sniff nine wins. You know, that that's just being real. That's me being quite honest. And it's like I found – I had a problem with that. I'm like, come on, man, nine wins for the Eagles. That's what I said for the – that's what I said at the beginning of the season. Now I'm like, come on, man, you really think this team's going to win nine games? I, I, I don't know. I will say this. You know, as far – you know, to get in, like, deeper into what the Eagles did, I was impressed with Jordan Mailata at left tackle. I don't want to see him get pulled. Jordan Mailata should be the starting left tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles until he proves that he cannot play like a starting left tackle consistently. Because as somebody who has not played football for like ever in his life before he got to the Eagles, you know that at some point in time, he's going to get cooked. You know, that's just going to happen. You know, in, in fact, I think, you know, that's you, fair. You know, you, that's fair. He, he's going to get cooked. But what I'm saying is, even if he gets cooked, you go right back to him. See how he bounces back until Jordan Mailata proves that he cannot play consistently. Give him the opportunity to bounce back. And see what happens. That's when you go back to Jason Peters. I'm glad Jason Peters is on the team. Let Jason Peters be your depth guy. Let Jason Peters be your depth guy, and then you then you figure out what you do with Jordan Mailata when when Andre Dillard comes back. Can Jordan Mailata play right tackle, or do you keep no. him at left tackle and let him be the depth guy as 
you know, as you grow. But as of, as of right now, he's in at left tackle. I want to see him at left tackle. He needs to be at left tackle even after Jason Peters gets back. Don't get that job back to Jason Peters. And that's not me dissing Jason Peters. I'm just saying at this point in time, you know, we need to, as much as I hate this phrase, we need to see what we have. I mean, let's be honest. Jason Peters at this point, he probably should have retired after the Super Bowl year. Yeah. Get your ring Between, and walk away. It, like, he still knows the technical aspects of how to play left tackle. He still has the physical strength, but the durability just hasn't been there. No since the Super Bowl year. He's constantly in and out the lineup. Even when he finishes games, there's probably at least two or three series he missed mm-hmm. due to some nagging injury. And Deshaun, I'm not sure how much he has left in him either. Maybe another year. But he's another one that just can't flat out can't stay on the field. He gives you two, three games a year. But he's getting 16 game checks. Mm-hmm. These are things that as like how we talked about the, the Texans and their salary cap issues, the Eagles have their own cap issues coming up, and they need to deal with stuff like that. You can't be spending double-digit millions on a receiver who plays two games. Mm. You can't be paying millions for a left tackle who plays three games and 60% of the snaps of the games, he, he, those three games. So the things like this, you, you have to be addressed. If, if if it's me, the Eagles need to be hoping against hope that Dillard can play when it, whenever he gets back from injury. Mm-hmm. They need to be hoping against hope that Maialata can play. But yeah, it's there are a lot of positions the the Eagles need to retool and get younger. I think I, we you know we we've talked probably about probably the top. Of, yeah, we've talked. This is something that we have talked about on our Eagles podcast, Green Over Everything. Make sure you download that right here on Best in the World Sports. Free plug. But we've talked. I've made this point. It's like this season, so far this season, when I look at the Eagles, I, I see organizational failure looking at me. You look at that offensive line. You see Jason Peters and John Kel- mm-hmm. uh, J- Jason Peters and Jason Kelsey, who are both Andy Reid guys. Lane Johnson is a chip guy. Right now, mm-hmm. the, the the Howie and Doug guys are Isaac Sayamalu, who's hurt, Brandon Brooks, who's hurt. There's you know Andre but, Dillard, who's hurt, and Andre Dillard, who's hurt. The three. Howie and Doug guys are all hurt right now, and you're not sold on whether or not they are the future. Well, Brandon Brooks is a player. That was a signing. They didn't draft him, but he's a player. That was a good signing. But he's struggled with injury while he's been here. When he's played, he's been more than effective. He's been a game changer. Brandon Brooks is the truth, but unfortunately, he's hurt again. There's... No aspect to that to that offensive line that they can say they drafted and developed. Maybe, 
Hopefully, Andre Dillard is that first piece. I think a feather, yeah. I feel like maybe a feather in their cap could be if they can make Jordan Maialata a a piece. If he's a guy, if he's a game changer, okay, that's a piece. That's, you know, that's a feather in their cap to say, hey, they saw something in that guy, a guy who hadn't played uh, football before, and they were able to develop him into a starting left tackle in, in this league. And you saw it when you watched him. Like, you saw the pieces. You see what they saw in him. He has very good footwork. He's very, for a, a six mm-hmm. eight. 350-pound dude, he ha- he is very agile. So it's like, okay, all right, he, he, you know, to the naked eye, to the untrained eye, you, you, it, the upside is, is there. Now, can they continue to develop him into a piece? That remains to be seen. But they need this because, unfortunately, the – they have not been able to necessarily draft good offensive pieces. In fact, pieces on either side of the ball. Right now, the the two top picks, I was they're in the Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman era. The three best picks mm-hmm. are Carson Wentz, Isaac Sayamalu, and ah. Der- and Derek Barnett. Oh, my, well, Miles Sanders. You know, let's let's take Sal Malu off the let's let's take Sal Malu off the list. I'll go Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders. I'll go Miles. I'll go Carson Wentz, Miles Sanders, and Dallas Goddard. Oh, okay, okay. No, you're right. So I don't have I, I, I stand on the list either. I I stand corrected because you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Goddard, Wentz, and Sanders. But there's, but but there, there's a lot I'm of laughing at Sonny say they drafted Corey Clement. He was actually an unsigned free agent. They exactly. didn't even draft him. Un, he in was fact, an undrafted free agent. They had better. They've had better luck with undrafted free agents than they've had with draft picks. Mm-hmm. That's like, it's like this team's draft history is atrocious. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very atrocious. Now, JB, I've got bad news. What is the bad news? I'm looking at the clock. Oh, snap. That means we we got to get go. out of here soon. <sighs> All right. Well, look, we, we probably need to just get out of here now. But, yo, we just want to thank you guys for listening. Once again, make sure you jump in with us. Make sure you are following Best in the World Sports on Facebook. All right? Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BITW Sports at Jonesy and Brown so you can find out whenever me and Mike Jones jump on this internet here and talk sports we'll talk Philly sports we'll talk national sports we'll talk whatever but make sure you follow us before we get out of here though JB before we get out of here what's up I want to make sure I give a special thanks again to Sully Sullivan Phillips at Sully underscore 33 for joining us today I, look, I'm, I'm gonna have to reach out to him and get some more dirt on you. Commenting along with us. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get some more dirt on you. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to like pull Sully aside and be like, "Look, man, I, I'm gonna need some more dirt on Mike Jones, man." It, 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 look, I understand. Look, I, I don't doubt your basketball knowledge, but I, look, I, I can't believe that you were just 
you know, some guy that everyone just got along with. You told me you fought a dude in the game. I fought one of my teammates. Yeah, you fought a teammate in the game. You fought a teammate in a game. Mm-hmm. Was Sully on it? Was Sully on that team? No, nah, we okay. went to different high schools. We played against each other. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna need to find that out. I, I need, in fact, I need to find a teammate that you fought, and I need to get him on. I need, I need, you need to get him on. <laughs> Oh, man. oh goodness! But look, you, man, you don't get no help from me in tracking him down. <laughs> Yo, I'm, you know what? In fact, let me hit up. I'm gonna hit up James. I'm, I'm gonna hit him up. Like, oh, who he was, was there? I know he was there. He was doing he told was the there. story. I need to find more out. I need to find more about that. But anyway, look, man. Follow us on social media at BITW Sports at Jonesy and Brown. Make sure you download this podcast wherever you get your, your podcast from. Just search Best in the World Sports. Here's Mike Jones. And back in the day, they ain't won it. You know. That's true, but you know, things change because now I'm hot. Well, what happens? They, what, all, they all on me, dog. Oh, Who? Mike Jones. Stop. Y'all have a great weekend. Enjoy all the sports. We will be back to discuss it all next week. Peace, y'all. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. The proceeding was a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the hosts and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown. Brown.